the beauty of it is like you don't know it's that's the magic that's where the magic exists in life it's the chaos and then how it becomes ordered without you having to think about it yes yes it's this constant um uh, navigation <laughs> you know it's like you go far you go too far in one direction and then you go too far in the other direction and then you find yourself near the center and then it kind of the center moves. <laughs> and welcome to the Just Being Human podcast with Meredith Eileen Foxfire. Today, we are being joined by my friend, Marnie Skarloff. She is a wild human, cosmic being, yogi, wordsmither, dancer, poet, art teacher, and mom. And I met Marnie um, actually through Instagram. We're both going to teach at um, Floyd Yoga Jam um, right after the pandemic came to an an end, but not really, (laughs) in September of 2021. And I started being advertised. And I was like, who is that girl? I want to know her. And I was actually able to take one of the classes that she was teaching. And it just, I felt so alive. And I was like, this is the way that yoga is supposed to be, you know? And so, as always, I seem to mess up the intro and I'm doing it live. And we're going to pick up where Marnie talks about how she accidentally became a belly dancer. We're going to be talking about yoga and um, reckoning kind of like with that. How do we still be wild and true to our beliefs yet still be within this um, culture that we live in? And then we start talking about time travel, and maybe about having an orgasm during yoga. So I hope you enjoy. Take it away, Marnie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I had always like had this love affair with the belly dancers at the restaurants. You know, my parents used to bring us to Moroccan food restaurants. And every time there was a belly dancer, I just like my eyes started sparkling. Um, I felt like I had, you know, it was like starry eyed whenever I'd see the belly dancers. And I found a belly dancing class in Philadelphia when I was living there and started taking class. And it was really hard. It was really, really hard. I remember how hard it was learning these moves. And It took a while, but then my body kind of like fell into it. Like it landed in my body after maybe like a year of taking classes. And then one time my teacher needed a sub at the last minute for a performance that she was going to do this like street festival, this Lebanese street festival. And she asked if I'd do it. And I said, sure. Um, And so I did that subbing I subbed for her a performance and then the band who I was dancing with invited me to start dancing with them at this restaurant and then it kept happening like I just kept getting invited to more performances and then all of a sudden I was like dancing like three or four nights a week um and then I was in a I was in a and I you know I just kind of went in to it accident like it was just like that like accidentally I didn't plan on it and it just happened um and you were teaching yoga too at like yeah 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 I started um yoga and belly dancing at around the same time 
It was like 2000. Yeah, I guess I started studying in the late 90s and then started um, like teaching yoga in around 2000. Yeah, like 23 years ago um, that I started teaching. But yeah, I'd been studying for about four years, I think, previous to that. Wow. So yoga and belly dancing. Yeah. Um, so kind of have they both came into my life around the same time, although you know, both of those practices, I had been dreaming about them and thinking about them for years and years and years before I started. Um, so it was like they were in my soul and in my body before I, they actually like showed up in my actual life. Um, it was like a remembering so, time. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, which I think, you know, all the things that were meant to do happen that way, really. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like we're born, but like we don't, you're born with a forgetting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think like what we, we have to forget in order to be in a body, you can't be in a body and remember because it, it would just be, I mean, you can't, you just have to forget to be born. And so, but I think the body, the body knows too, like it remembers for us, you know, <laughs> Um, like our minds, I think, just can't comprehend the mystery, but the body is in, is the mystery and it's living in it and it, it doesn't need to comprehend it because it just simply is a part of it all the time. And so I think that our minds forget, but our bodies know. And so all of these like, you know, practices that we call like embodiment practices, but they're really just like you know, using our body, moving our body in a conscious way. Um, they are doorways to that remembering um, because they just get us out of our heads and bring us back into our bodies. And the it's all there. All the, everything we need is all there. In my experience, at least. Yeah. And I, I think too, like you're a mother of two kids and, I've never given, I haven't given birth in this lifetime anyways. And so I've I experienced like in your, your body, like maybe when you're having going into labor, you're going, you know, in the nine months, like your body knew what to do. Yeah. 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 I mean, that whole experience was really um, opened me up to trusting the mystery even more. The, and, and even after I gave birth to my, you know, I have twins. And so like, even yeah. after I gave birth to my twins. Um, that first year, I I know there was a force that was living through me that was not me the whole time because there was no way that the little my personality Marnie self could have survived <laughs> what what I survived that first year with you know, there was no sleep ever because I, I had twins and they were on opposite schedules just because they're just human beings and they have different needs and they're individuals and they each have their own like karmas and whatever. And so it was, um, there was no sleep ever. I was nursing, you know, I was making more milk than I needed for both babies. Um, and I somehow like did it all and also like had a job and also kept the house sort of semi-clean. Like there was things that I was doing on no sleep at all. I would sleep for like 30 minutes at a time, you know, maybe a few times a day and night. Every two hours I had to pump milk 
Um, so it was just like, when I think about that time and I remember the feeling of like being held by some bigger force and I knew it wasn't just me doing this whole thing. Um, there was something else going on. So that was like a huge awakening experience for me to really like trust that there's something bigger and invisible that, you know, I just don't know, but it's in my body. It's all happening inside of me. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's intense too. Something that's, um, and most people don't, or some people might not have the ability to recognize that they're being pushed forward. And maybe your experience of having dance and yoga in your background allow you to tap into that like subtleness. Yeah. And yeah, that probably. feeling. Um, and maybe to be able to surrender to it, it, it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I'm actually pretty good at surrendering in certain areas of my life. And then in other areas, I, I, I kick and scream. <laughs> and, and try to push and force, you know, probably we all do that. Hello, listeners of the Just Being Human podcast. Um, at this point, after Marty says these beautiful words, I go on some kind of a, a little bit of a rant, which I edited out, and I'm going to let us pick back up um, with the next topic that Marnie and I were discussing, and that was how to reckonings. Um, that she's going through and that's with yoga and nature and our culture so I hope you enjoy yeah I understand I know I mean I'm I'm I think you and I are in the same we're in the same stream together and um, you know obviously like we're we're doing you know our lives are different we have different karmas that we have to work out and different paths that we're taking but we're in the same stream and seeing I think the same um, from nature that mm-hmm. you know I think I can speak for myself like for me it's like deeply painful um, and one of the reckonings, the recent reckonings in my personal life that I've had to like come to terms with is, you know, that I've been, um, you know, when I started teaching yoga, I came to yoga as a, a way to kind of disrupt. Like for me, yoga is, is a practice of disrupting oppressive systems. Like that's correct that's primarily why I was interested in yoga in the first place um, was because it was a a rebellious radical practice at the time. Like when I started yoga in the, you know, late nineties in our, you know, in the U S it wasn't, it wasn't yet a kind of trendy popular health, you know, wellness, whatever it has become now, um, it was, uh, to, for me, a spiritual practice of disrupting the oppressive, like, system that I had, you know, ever since I was a kid was, had a really hard time with it. Like, I always had a really hard time with 
the culture that we're living in. Um, ever since like kindergarten, I remember really struggling with the way that that we do things in our you know education system, the way we treat the environment, the way we treat each other, the way we treat people who look different than us. Um, all of these things I was like highly sensitive to even as a very young child and um, really, really struggled with very severe depression and all kinds of other mental health issues as a teenager, which, I, which I'm sure are, were just manifestations of you know, me responding to this really toxic, unhealthy culture that we're living in. And so when I found yoga, it was like, it was like all the angels were singing together. You know, it was like this door opened for me and I was like, oh my goodness, here is a practice and a lineage that is acknowledging the disease of the culture and saying, here's a way that you can disrupt it and be a part of the healing that needs to happen. And so that's like what brought me into it. And then, and I never came to yoga thinking that I was going to ever make a lot of money or that I was going to make it a career or that I was going to make it a business. It wasn't until I had my children and became a single mother that I realized like, oh, I better make a living now. And, <laughs> and then like, by this point, so this was like 10 years ago. And then already, like Instagram was starting to happen. And like, the yoga people, like the teachers that I was, I felt connected to, were all like, demonstrating this kind of like, and I, I don't want to degrade any of my teachers, because I've gotten so much from them. And I don't want to degrade the the yoga community as a whole, but there is something that I feel like I'm reckoning. I'm, there's like a reckoning that's happening inside of me right now where I'm realizing that like there is like a spiritual materialism that's taken over or infiltrated the yoga community or maybe the yoga community is like all about that or if there's a way that like rather than disrupting the system, the people in yoga have just like aligned with it more. Correct. And so that's been really hard for me to, um, I just have had a really hard time facing that. And I tried to align with that for a while and realized that it was just making me sick. Um, and I couldn't do it as much as I wanted to, you know, be in abundance with the work that I was putting out in the world. And I was working my butt off and, you know, we all need money. Like we all need it in this culture. It's, it's the only way really, not the only way I know there's other ways, but it's the main way that you get resources. And so, but it's been like a, this has been the reckoning. One of the big reckonings for me um, is that I've just had to face that and acknowledge it and get really honest about like, okay, like how am I going to continue to, um, you know, be honest with myself and be honest with life, you know, in my like communion with nature and with life, how do I, be honest in that conversation and continue to 
also participate in the culture, but not continue to feed the oppressive systems that are keeping everybody sick um, and keeping me sick and keeping all the people I care about sick. And so that's been a huge like waking up that I've been going through, you know, especially over this past, like the whole like pandemic years um, really knocked me out pretty hard. And I had to like figure out like, like what the heck is going on? Like I go into depression when, when I'm, when I'm doing something that's out of alignment with the truth of my soul, I go, I go deep down into depression. And I know that for me, that's always a sign that I'm, I'm sending my energy in the wrong direction. And so you know, I got after the pandemic, I got really, really depressed for a while. And I, it, it's hard to, to get all the way down. Like I always have to go all the way down to, to yeah. get to the truth. And then you get to the truth and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you're like, shit. Why does it have to be that? Like, why can't it just be, you know, like, I don't know, maybe I just have to take more vitamin C or something. But it's like, for me, it's always like about this, my relationship with the culture and how am I in some way, like in my relationship with nature, right? And how am I like, like I gotta be honest with what I see and what I know and what I feel. And if I'm not like, being super honest about that, like I'm gonna get, I'm just gonna fall down and then I'm gonna have to wallow for a while until I fucking have the courage to say, wait, I can't participate in this anymore. I need to find a different way because how I'm doing it right now is, is it goes against my Bella. soul. Yeah. yeah, it goes Very against it. Level, yeah, and so that, so what's the answer, Marnie? <laughs> I was oh, just- gosh. I was just in the woods yeah. and I was same conversation. I was talking to the woods. I was just like, how, like, like, like I, we have to make money. Like, you know, I have to figure out a way to make money. Yeah. And like, but I know my soul's work is like staying connected to her. Yeah. Okay, Marnie, yeah. you're on. What's the answer? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I don't, I don't actually have an answer. I don't ever feel like I have answers, but um, oh, all I all I know is like what the next. I feel like for me, what I try to follow is like what's the next step, because I feel I feel there's a truth in um, what Joseph Campbell once said about you know like the path. Like if you see it laid out in front of you, then you know it's yeah, um, that's true. Because your path, you're taking it with every step, and so I think. What I try to do, I'm not always great at it, but what I try to do is like, I try to look at just at the next step and I'm like, okay, I have a choice. There's always like a choice. You always have a choice. Every day you have choices. You're always making choices. So I try to make like the next good choice. Yeah. And I try not to think too far ahead, um, even though, you know, it's hard for me, um, but so like for me, one of the things that I've done over this past year is I got a part-time teaching job in a high school 
you know, I'm teaching art to high school kids. And um, it was a way for me to start to untangle myself from the like spiritual materialism piece that was, I think, making me sick personally. Um, And that I didn't, that I, I, I couldn't participate in it the way I was trying to participate in it before. Like, and I'm not saying that yoga teachers shouldn't get paid because they definitely should. I actually think yoga teachers should be getting paid way more than they're already getting paid right now. And I think that's like part of the problem. What'd you say? You're making what doctors make. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's all these ways in which things are just out of alignment in the yoga world and the wellness world. And um, so Um, So I've just had to find another way of making money. Um, I I just needed to step out of it a little bit. For me, this is, this was just like the next step. It was something I could do because I've been an art teacher before I have a teaching license. And I also felt like we really need teachers right now (laughs) Um, in the, in the public schools and it's a way for me to um, just be in relationship with, with the kids, which, which holy cow, like they're stepping into this world right now and it's really intense and they need a lot of help. And I feel like this is one small little thing that I can do to just be there guiding a little bit as much as I can. Some of these kids um, who are, you know, just li- growing up in the, at this time, which is such an intense time. Um, and so um, that's just like one of the things that I'm doing. I think there's, I think it's personal for everyone. And I think everyone's got to find their own little way to make small changes, pers- you know, like as f- for themselves and also in the community. Um, because for me, and I know for you too, it's like, I need to be in service of something beyond myself. Like I need to know that I'm in some way helping to mend the brokenness of the world because I'm Mm -hmm. so tuned into it. Like I just can't ignore it. Yeah. I think that um, a lot of people are like, well, you stop tuning into it. And I don't feel like people like you or me really have a choice. No. And um, something that is coming more aware within the, like, um, ongoing collective is that energy. Like, people are actually starting to talk about energy now. Yeah. And um, those of us that are a little bit more permeable, um, like, we can pass by somebody and we can feel it. Like, um, and we don't even have to pass by somebody. Like, I was at Trader Joe's. Um, it was the first day of spring, and I believe it was like the new moon in Pisces. And all of a sudden, I said to the cashier, I said, did you feel that? And um, she's like, what? I was like, we just entered a new age. And it, I looked at time, and I was like, it happened to be the time in which the equinox peaked. Yeah. And um, 
So for <laughs> and so it's not like so if you feel a lot if you're out there listening to this, it's it's like it's a gift, but you have to be aware of it. It's something I'm just learning to explore. Like um you have to know that you have it and you really have to take good care of yourself. Yeah. Um at all times and hang around people that um, love you a hundred percent and see you a hundred percent. And you have to see, start to have practices that connect you with nature and connect you back to yourself and your um, worthiness. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, we can't. Um, we, I think there's some of us who are just tuned into the collective in a specific way. Um, and we have uh, the instrument, you know, of our bodies that are, it's like our antenna, like everyone's body is an antenna in a certain way. And it's like our antennas are just tuned in to a certain frequency. Um, and so, and I am a feeler, like I feel everything. Some people I think can see things. Some people can hear things. I feel things. Yeah. And a lot of what I feel isn't actually my, my own feelings. It's feelings coming from the collective. Um, yeah. And I've learned, you know, you know, I'm not perfect at it. And also I'm a mom and I have to work and I have, you know, all these like responsibilities in the culture, but I've learned that, you know, I really need a lot of time alone just to be in my own field to, to, to know, to, so I can, you know, I, I know I can feel what's mine and what's not mine, but I need time alone in order to do that. Um, So if I don't get enough time alone, I get very, confused um and i can very easily go go off on this emotional wave that's actually not that's not even mine um and so so i I think you know we all have different ways that intuition moves through us and it is important that we take really good care of ourselves and also understand like how is your intuition? How does it talk to you most loudly? Like for me, it's feeling Meredith, what's yours? Like, how do you get information? Feel my feeling and knowing. Yeah. When I work on people, um, I actually process people's trauma for them. Um, I do that by crying and I'll, um, I cry when I'm working on people that have a lot of trauma. And then people will tell me that their bodies feel like they're burning. Um, And I was like, well, I'm crying. You know, or if I touch people, like my head, um, the trauma will come up through me and it moves out through my head and my head starts kind of like spinning a little bit. And, but like, I, that happened like a week and a half ago. I had a woman on my table that had a lot of trauma, but she couldn't get off the table. It took her about 20 minutes to get off the table because I'd released so much trauma that was inside of her system. Yeah. Wow. So definitely feeling. Yeah. And I get knowing, um, like I'll automatically just know things about people that will just 
drop in. So feeling and knowing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so um, we all need to like, it's helpful, I think, to know how, how your intuition works. Um, and then to also know what you need to do to take care of yourself. And, you know, it's not going to be perfect because life is messy. You know, yeah. like what you said, like the ordered chaos, like we're always going to be deal, you know, facing that working with the mystery and the chaos of life. And, um, but we can, you know, try to create little habits and systems knowing mm-hmm. full well that they won't always work, but, um, you know, we just do the best we can to try to take care of ourselves. You know, the highly sensitive people are the ones who get those, um, you know, like, what is it like rheumatoid arthritis, like these immune diseases that we call them. Um, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it is like a whole other (laughs) conversation. But, um, but I, I think it's, it's the body's, you know, way of communicating to us. For me, it's like, it comes as depression. That's, you know, that's my communication from my body. And it, and, you know, as much as I don't like it, it's how, it's how it always has worked. And, I have come to realize that for me, depression is not, it's not an illness. It's not a disease. Um, It's actually a a very strong response or communication from my soul and from my body to slow down and to stop sending my energy in the wrong direction. Um, Because what happens is I just totally, I just deplete myself and I exhaust myself when I send my energy in the wrong direction. And then it turns into depression. And, and uh, there's a great teacher, her name is Carla McLaren. I love the work that she does. She wrote a book called uh, Language of Emotions and a bunch Mm -hmm. of different books for empaths. Um, And she calls depression as the brilliant stop sign of the soul. And, and it's so it's like, her her work is, has helped me so much. And I think, you know, all the sort of immune diseases and, you know, those kinds of things are also a kind of stop sign. You know, it's like they force you to slow down. And we live in a culture that doesn't support that at all. Like there is no support for slowing down. And that's a problem. Yeah, because there's no social belonging. There's, yeah, there's no social belonging. There's no support system. There's, you know, it's, it's hard when you're in a, you know, as someone who I deal with depression on a regular basis, and it's really hard to, it's hard because you have to go through it pretty much alone every time because there's no, we don't have supports in place for, for how to guide people or hold space for each other when we're, when we're having a hard time or when we're grieving, um, we're so afraid of it that it's like people just have to go through these things all alone. And we're not built for that at all. Yeah. Um, and I think we're built for any, for the, like, I, for like the reason why we're going through such uh, strong instances of like depression and anxiety and all the autoimmune and all that stuff is because we haven't along the way, like, decluttered, you know? Like, 
we weren't allowed to grieve everything in our, our lives. Yeah. There wasn't space. And so we have, like, there was no sleeping of, of the spirit and soul. Yeah. And so, like, there's that saying, like, um, keep your spirit up. And that's so that your soul doesn't become back. You can't, it's hard to keep when you have so much, like, dirt and dust that's, like, you know, covering it. Yeah. All particles. Yeah all these small experiences that ended up being, you know, uh, I'm, I know there's a saying or something like that where you, something like snowballs, like snowball effect. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And so like, as culturally speaking, like we're all having to have these big awakenings and that's how bad it's gotten. Yeah. You know, I also think that we're lacking um, collective spaces for transcendence. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you're talking about the spirit and the soul and, you know, the spirit, I understand the spirit as the kind of liberating current that, or, or you know, it's like the, it's like the upward, or, or you could say it's like the vertical, right? The vertical line. Um, and it's the liberation transcendent current. And then the soul is more like the descending current. It's the horizontal line. And um, I think even in like our modern, you know, spiritual communities, we've gotten really um, into like the earth and grounding, which is all really important and good, but there needs to also be opportunities for transcendence and, uh. um, and and I and I think that in the modern the way we're practicing yoga these days in these like big you know classrooms where everybody has like the right outfit on and we go in for an hour and a half and then we have to go back to our like lives and there's no really opportunity for the transcendent experience. We're going into the body, which is really good, and I love that, and I will continue to do that. But we also need times for like going above the body, going out of the body. I think both need to happen. And, um, you know, even, so it's like, you have to be able to, in order to heal, like you got to go into your body, but you also need to be able to transcend your body at certain times. You need to go into the other world and non-ordinary reality and, and bring back the healing medicine and bring back the parts of yourself that you've kind of, you know, lost. Um, and so I think that that's something that's missing from the modern wellness culture. Um, I mean, it's there in small amounts, but I think it, we need more of it and people, we need to make it more accessible or, or more people need to, recognize the benefits of that does that make sense and, yeah and so like what you're talking about so at first when you were talking about um transition like the spirit i was going to having more and getting out of like the body in my mind when you're first talking about it i was thinking about having you know more like um joy i guess uh, yeah, yeah. Into your practice. And um, also when you were talking about grounding, I was thinking about the, uh, 
cosmic grounding I brought up earlier is that, you know, sometimes grounding isn't like actually grounding your body. Like sometimes grounding your body could be like an orgasm. Yeah. And, um, which is also reaching into other realms. Yeah. Yeah. Like get orgasm. I've had orgasmic states in yoga before. Um, and having, you can get it from like running and also seeing like, I've been encouraging like more fire movement and sort of static poses. Um, just like where you're like, kind of like, just like shaking your whole body, punching, punching in the air. Um, and it's kind of like moving erratically and wildly with like breath of fire with your like mid spine, um, to kind of like unloosen, Mm -hmm. um, Grounds you down too. Like I think yeah. that we're so inside of our head culturally that yeah. actually being in our body could be a really scary experience if you're just like, kind of like just like being stable. Um, and that sometimes you need to like sweep it up. Yeah, but right. Yeah, you're totally. Yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And you know, like for me, like I've been doing a lot of dance lately. Um, I've been practicing five rhythms dance, and that is going in using the body for to create a trans transcendent state where you're in the body, but you're transcending the body. You're in like the bigger body. Maybe it's like you're at you go into the wordless body. Um, you're 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 transcending your mind and you're going into the wordless realm. And that's what I mean. And you're, you're, you're exactly saying it. And in my yoga classes, um, I've been teaching, you know, the past, let's say three years, um, like uh, more shaking and, and, you know, swinging the arms and swinging the legs and vibrating the body and doing um, poses that are not like your normal yoga poses and giving people opportunities to like move their bodies in different ways that, you know, and they're always like, my students are like, is this yoga? I'm like, it's yoga. Just stay in your breath and pay attention, (laughs) you know? And it's, it's like, I think we get really caught up in thinking yoga is supposed to be a certain way or whatever, like, practice you're doing it's supposed to be a certain way but it's not the it's not the the tools that you're using it's the state that you're trying to um create the conditions for right Right. and so um yeah like what you're saying about you know moving the body and shaking the body and tapping the body like all these are ways in and it's really doesn't matter like what tools you're using it's like how, what are, what can you use that will create the conditions for you mm-hmm. to experience liberation from suffering? Well, yeah. And the yoga asana that's created was created, you know, I used to say this all the time. I was like, it was created for like young men and in yeah. a different period. We're living in a total different time period right now. We're living actually in a time period. The awakening I'm talking about is what they talk about. They say in that in global sisterhood that in the podcast and their business that they have, it's like the rising of the feminine. Yeah. And the feminine rises through not knowing. Yeah. And the, um, you're actually creating more of a cage. I think a lot of yoga of a cage 
I'll tell you something. Here we go. Okay, so I uh, was in a yoga class in Virginia, and I got a phone call, like, a couple days later, saying that I was disturbing people in class because I breathed too loud and I didn't move like everybody else moved. Okay. And I was just like, oh. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, you know, I've, and, uh, you know, I get back to North Carolina and people come up to me and like are complimenting me on my practice because I don't move exactly the way that everybody else moves. And I breathe and like, I'm there. Yeah. And um, I'm at it and like, it scares people that yeah. want to remain rigid and in a box. Yeah. That's what one friend, she was like, you just freaked them out because like they're boxy and yeah. they don't want to. And, yeah. um, and that's why your students are like, are you sure this is yoga? Because going outside the box is scary for some people, a lot of people actually. And so you, if you want to stay, if you want to not be free, you then keep teaching the rigid yoga. Mm-hmm. You know? But if you want to free your body and free your soul and unleash your spirit, you got to move your body in ways where you don't even know where you're. Yeah. And you don't yeah. even know where you are in space and time, but your body yeah. knows and allow it the freedom to move and to groove and to flow with nature. Yeah. Yeah. That you just, you just like pointed to the thing that where it's like your mind loses the concept of space and time, but your body knows exactly where it is. Yeah. That, that is where that's the doorway to heal, to all the things like to, to the wisdom and the mystery and all of it and awakening and everything and connecting and it just opens you up. Um, And when you trust your body enough to let that happen, that's the juice. I feel that's, you know, what I've been, you know, experiencing in my dance practice lately and um, this breath work that I've been doing, you know, you let, you have to like go beneath the layers of the mind and you actually in, in, in my dance and my breath work that I've been doing lately, like I experience time travel. Whoa. Marie, tell me. Yeah, I know. It's weird to say this publicly. Um, or you know, this, not at all. I mean, this podcast called just being human. I was going to call it moon sister sessions or moon sister. <laughs> But that's still going to fucking listen to it. Like, I'm going to call it just being human. So that people start to realize this is the human experience. Yes. Like, this is normal. This is fucking normal. Yes. 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 Um, yeah. So, like, we know that time is not actually linear, even though that's, like, how our minds experience it, right? Right. And um, so... I really can't explain how it happens or why it happens or what happens, except that I experience time as not linear in when I'm, when I go to a certain space in my breath work and in my dance. And all I know is that 
things are happening simultaneously and things from the past are in the present and things from the future are in the present. Man, you're doing this in five rhythms class or. Yeah, but it's not like, it's not like the teacher is like, okay, now we're going to time travel. It just happens spontaneously (laughs) in the, when I'm in, when I drop into that about like you, you pointed exactly when you go beneath your mind, beneath the part of you that exists in linear time, in three-dimensional space, and you drop beneath that, time is not linear and space is not three-dimensional. And so it, it's not that. And then you are open and you experience it. And I can't necessarily explain it, except that I know that it happened. That is insane. I love it. <laughs> and um, and then it's like, okay, and then what? You know, you have these experiences, and then you have to somehow find a way to like integrate it into your real into your life and into who you are and into how you're being in the world. And that's the you know the unglamorous part afterwards. But like you know, that's what you have to do. You have to come back into time and space and the linear world and somehow find a way to stay connected to that other part of you, the remembering part of you. The cosmic you. Yeah, the cosmic you. Yep. That, yeah. That's the integration part. That's the, that's, yeah, that you're right. That's the pretty part. Yeah, that's the hard part. It's the courageous that, part. That's the courageous part. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well, I think I want to end it on the cosmic you and the courageous part of integration. <laughs> okay. Even think I can't move past this now. I'm just like, no. well, we both broke through. Yeah, the time space like, continuum. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't really want to move off on this. No. Um, let it let it vibrate. Let it vibrate. Yeah, I'm gonna. I need to integrate this into my body. Um. 